Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. When you love what you do, you do that. And that's something that I think a lot more people in all kinds of professions could probably learn. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Galit Ventura Rosen. Galit is joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada. She has multiple businesses and has been a broker owner for over 25 years. Galit's portfolio consists of self-storage, land, office, retail, and she has recently become a developer as well. Galit, thank you so much for joining us and how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. You're very welcome. Galit, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. I started my first career straight out of college as a real estate agent, dabbled in residential, did not like it, and transferred over to commercial real estate pretty quickly. Within two years, I had my first company, and I've been blessed to have an amazing commercial real estate company since then. Other than that, I really just love entrepreneurship, so I'm constantly just opening different things that can benefit others 
in business. It's something that I love to do. I live in Las Vegas with my three fur babies, my three kids, which are all adults now, which is crazy, and my love. And I'm very involved in always supporting women when it comes to commercial real estate. And I'm on the local board of the commercial real estate women. Galit, what did you not like about residential? (laughs) Too much emotion. (laughs) Oh my gosh, people can fight over the color of the carpet for weeks. I kind of focus on the love, but I really love that commercial real estate is based on business and not on emotion. One of the top three things you'll ever do that's most stressful in your life is buy or sell a home. And after three nightmare deals, I knew it was not for me. Yeah. The advice that I always give people starting out, whether they're a realtor or an investor, is eventually make your way to non-residential commercial. It's a better arena, I think. Because you deal with business owners and professionals versus residential landlords. And I guess the multifamily thing, you're dealing with professionals as well. But I just don't like dealing with residential tenants. I'm like you. Yes, only commercial for me. All right. So you're a go-getter. You don't like sitting still. And you found a love for commercial real estate. How did that evolve? So you realized you hated residential. How did you get into commercial? Well, I always believed in learning and knowledge before you jump into something. So after I tried out residential and saw that it wasn't for me, I found that one of the best commercial real estate teams in Las Vegas and interned with them. I was quite young. I was about 22, 23, and I interned with them for six months. And then once I did that, I just really loved the idea of finding these buildings. A lot of times I can sell a property just based on one piece of paper to an investor. And I just love that piece of it, that it was really about the numbers and what made sense versus the emotion that was involved in the investment. Yeah. And then on commercial deals, once you see the numbers, see the deal, a lot of the little nuances don't really matter. Unlike multifamily, we don't care how old appliances are. Often, even the age of the roof, HVAC is marginal because there's so much meat on the bone. Do you find that as well? I do. I do. At the end of the day, a lot of these investors, they don't even come into town until after a deal is in escrow. And then now they come in to see the property. Sometimes they don't even come in to see the property. And I run the entire due diligence team, which would cover inspections and stuff. But I'm finding what I've learned throughout this process of closing so many deals is it's really about the bottom line and what is it that they want to get out of it? If it's short-term or long-term or whatever it is that they're looking to gain. Gully, you are a broker and you do the due diligence. Well, I have a team, but I like to oversee it. These are large investments. I work with very large investors and they really look at my experience of closing so many of these. So I myself like to read the leases. I myself like to hire the team that goes out. I myself want to walk the property as well. I just am very hands-on just because they're entrusting in my experience and they're entrusting in my opinion. Now, don't get me wrong. We learn in commercial real estate, always get the experts. I'm an expert in commercial real estate. I'm not an expert in structure or things like that. So I make sure I always get that third party involved, but I'm reading all the reports and doing all that as well. You are my new favorite broker. Oh, that is awesome. Wow. Thank you. That's great. Cause normally the commercial agents, once there's a deal in the process, 
they kind of step back. I've never had a broker read all the leases and maybe point out some warning signs or things like that. So good for you. You said these are very large deals. What kind of dollar amount are we talking about? Well, my largest deal has been 50 million. And then I don't believe in a minimum. It's all about what makes sense in the client. I've sold office buildings for a hundred thousand dollars, 150,000. One of my projects right now that I'm developing, I think we started 140,000, but there's 51 units. So I'm selling those. What type of returns are you seeing right now? Okay. So Vegas is still in a great market. We're still doing quite well. We haven't actually adjusted too much in the commercial as we have in the residential. I'm probably seeing right now six to seven caps. And I need you to understand that that's higher than we were at. We were probably at four to five, five and a half. So I'm seeing good returns. And then I could probably say cash on cash returns. It really just depends on if you're getting a mortgage or if you're paying all cash. Is there a lot of California buyers moving into Vegas, paying all cash? Well, in the commercial, we get people from all over the world. In residential, we still see a lot of California movers moving here because our homes are considered very inexpensive in comparison to California. Our average home, they can't buy a shack there. But in commercial, honestly, I'm getting investors from everywhere. It's not just California. Are you asset agnostic? Do you care if it's industrial, office, retail? That's where I'm a little bit different. When I started in this career quite young, straight out of college, a lot of the larger companies really, in a sense, made you choose one of those niches or one of those specialties. And I never wanted to. I've done everything except for sell businesses and I won't sell businesses, but I've been involved in every type of property that you could imagine from land to industrial, to retail, to multifamily. I've been involved in just about every specialty. I go where my client's interested and sometimes where the market goes. You are an absolute unicorn. I love it. (laughs) Well, now you you have your own investments that you put your own money in. Yes. Uh, Do you raise capital for your investments or do you have partners or do you do it all on your own? I do both. I really like having the investors because there's a lot less risk. And sometimes it just makes more sense to do that. And also with my experience, it's easier to get investors because they can see the history and the background of success I've had. So really what we do is a lot of joint ventures where either we'll find somebody that owns a property and we'll go ahead and go in with our expertise and put in some of the money, or we'll actually bring investors in our self-storage facilities. We don't bring in lots of investors like some of these self-storages where they bring in five, $6,000 for each investor. We're actually going out and getting maybe one to three, maybe four tops. But a lot of times those three or four people are in the same group. I don't like to mess around with too many people because it becomes a little bit more complicated. And then you get a lot of opinions. And these joint ventures, is it spread equally based on how much money they put in? Or do you do like a preferred return? And then, you know, you get your own money for managing the deal. We actually go in with our expertise as a sense where we say to them, look, we're coming to you. We've been doing this for 30 years. We know our expertise is worth something. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll come in and say, you put in 60, we'll put in 40. It just depends on the deal. There have been deals where we've gone 50-50. And I say we because I have other people that are in with my end of the deal. So my 50%, 
it's not just me. So I think it really just depends on the deal. But a lot of times if our expertise is brought in and we're doing everything and they're just bringing the money and sitting aside, we're obviously going to take more percentage of that and put in less of the money. Yep. And Gilly, right now we're in November of 2022. What asset classes do you like? And are you only looking in Vegas? Right now, I'm only focusing in Las Vegas and the surrounding areas. We have Henderson and we have North Las Vegas because this is what I know. And we're not out of opportunities. Obviously, if we run out of opportunities, which I don't see happening because such a large part of our city is BLM land and they still do releases to the public. We are not completely built like California where you're out of land. Right now, it's only Vegas. And right now, the asset class that I'm really focusing on, believe it or not, is finding land to develop on. We're finding that because in my family, my father's been a general contractor for 40 years, and we can build things without that high developer fee and really negotiate with the subcontractors. We can build property for way less than if you're going to go purchase it. And then we can turn that property into a success by filling it up, whatever it might be. So purchasing land, focusing on self-storage personally. For my investors, it's a little bit different. They're really interested right now in retail centers. I call them neighborhood shopping centers. Yeah. And if you would tell the best ever listeners a little bit about that, because A lot of people have this fear that there's a retail apocalypse, but these neighborhood centers, they're internet resistant, they're recession resistant because there's services that people need. So why do you like those? Well, my investors really like them and I like selling them, of course, because there's less risk. They're usually looking for a supermarket that's well-established, the ones that we know about from all over the United States or just the West because I'm on the West and they have long-term leases. And then we have these smaller units. So when somebody moves out, you're still able to pay the mortgage. The situation with these larger retail centers, when a big box moves out is sometimes it's a lot more expensive to break it up into smaller pieces. And also sometimes it'll affect your mortgage and you won't be able to cover it. And at the end of the day, we always want you to be able to cover your debt service no matter what happens in the economy. And that's the most important pieces that you don't go under, like what happened to a lot of people in the 2008 situation. (laughs) And part of your portfolio consists of office space as well, right? Yes. What are your thoughts on office? Well, also I take the same format with that buy office buildings that are not just one tenant, unless again, it's a medical or a doctor facility where they're going to have a long 20 or 30 year lease, but then you're going to get a smaller rate of return, of course. So we like to buy office buildings that have multiple tenants. So again, if somebody moves out, it's not a big deal. I also own my own office building, which is about 4,000 square feet, which just makes sense because we have multiple businesses that we're running out of there and we're even renting out a little bit of it. I love it. In terms of developing, what are you eyeing for development now? Is it retail? Is it mixed use where you have retail and multifamily? Is it office? What is it? Right now, we are focusing on self-storage. That's what we know. My family's been in self-storage for, gosh, before I even got into real estate. So it's just smart business and, again, low risk. So a lot of what we're doing personally in my personal investments is finding land that makes sense for self-storage. And because we have such a history of it, we know what works and we know what size works and how many units and how much land we need. 
We'll get back to the show with a first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCon.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. Everyone is looking for a recession-resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund, by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with $1 billion in self-storage assets. After completing three funds, and selling 38 properties with $0 of investor principal loss. They have an average project level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to their latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R-R-E-L-I-A-N-T.com. What does it cost you per square foot to build storage? Oh gosh, it is all over the place. It could be anywhere from probably 75 to 100, $125 a square foot. It just depends on the location, the area, and honestly, what's happening right now and what's happening in the future with the cost of material. For example, steel is still in the sky. Some of our power boxes and stuff are taking up to 12 months to receive. It just really depends on what's happening in the market at that time when you're starting to close contracts to build. Galit, I would imagine one of the things you do is look for competition nearby. Of course. What are the other factors that will help you determine if this piece of land is good for self-storage? Well, we hire a company that knows what they're doing to run a study. First thing we do, I don't care how long you've been doing something, you don't know every single area. We did the same thing with the project that we're doing right now. We hired a company that made phone calls and asked people within a certain demographic, within a certain area of the property, if they would be interested in storing their stuff there. And we also, of course, look at things like how many houses within a certain area and things like that. But getting a professional study done by a company that does this all day long is always worth the money, no matter how much you think you know, because they know way more than you. And do municipalities typically limit how much self-storage comes in? So the question is, if you build self-storage on one corner, Is it possible that they would allow additional self-storage to be built across the street from you? I have not seen anything like that in Las Vegas or in any other cities. Again, I don't know 
about other cities. I know in Vegas, it doesn't matter. Usually the reason you're not building corner to corner is because there just is not enough business for you. So it's just a logical decision. But I've seen self-storage is less than a mile away, a half a mile away from each other. It depends on where their occupancy is or vacancy is. And if that makes sense, and that's where the study comes in, because they show you all the self-storages within a certain area and what's happening with their market. So if you have a self-storage that's a half a mile away and they're at 50% occupancy, you don't want to build another one. That doesn't make sense. If you're seeing this 90, 95% or more, or even a little less, well, yeah, that means that there is enough business in that area for everyone. Galit, when you go to zoning, are they thrilled about self-storage or would they prefer other types of assets there? So in our entire history of rezoning properties for self-storage, we've never had a problem until the last year. And that was only because we are on a main main street, but we are backed up to what's considered a historic neighborhood. And those neighbors just decided they didn't want anything in that building. We're converting a building and they just decided they're going to make our life not fun And just complain, complain, complain at every meeting with the city. But the good news is we got it approved. But that's the first time. And it wasn't the city. It was the neighbors and then the city council people trying to keep them happy. So we found a place where, I don't want to say they're happy, but we found a place where we got it approved and met some of the things that they wanted. What were the key compromises that swayed their decision? Oh my goodness. They wanted a higher wall, which has just been a nightmare. A prison wall, huh? Yeah, they wanted a higher wall. And the funny part about this is this used to be the home of the FBI, this building we're converting. So I guess they were okay with the FBI. But first thing was a wall. They were complaining about things like noise and traffic and things, which is not true because self-storage is one of the quietest buildings you can have. A lot of the things that they were asking for were not logical. It was just a way to get us not to build it. So in all honesty, at the end of the day, I think the only thing that we had to meet from them was this wall. So they have walls that go to their backyard. We're building a wall right here because we didn't want to touch theirs. You could only imagine what that would have done. And we're building a taller wall. So what it did is it took away some of our property, which in turn made it so we had to build less units. You said you were converting an FBI building. Was this an office building? Yes. It's a three-story office building. And you can only imagine how strong it was built so with is steel it columns down? and stuff. No, no, no. We just gutted the middle, left the steel columns, and we're building the self-storage in this structure because it was built so well. Interesting. And it just has a normal elevator or does it also have a freight elevator? It has both. Ah, Okay. How yeah, they had feet? both in it, which is really neat. Of How course, we upgraded is- it, but yeah. How many square feet is that? 64,000. Across three floors. Yeah. Is it just pre-built pods that you put in there or is it those kits? No, we're actually building it. We're building it just like you would a, a building that was not being converted. No. Oh. Yeah, we're just building it. We're going in and actually building these units. So a lot of the self-storage units are made from metal. So they're just going to look like a regular self-storage unit. Did you look into those kits that you can buy? I have. We have. It's quite interesting. I'm not involved in the day-to-day. We have a project manager that does that. So 
I've attended a few of the self-storage conventions, which are amazing. I was able to attend one this last year in Las Vegas. I didn't see the self-kits for that, but I know that they have a lot of amazing things. Like we've looked at building self-storages with tilt tops and things like that. Interesting. Yeah. I would imagine the kits are more expensive, but they just go up faster. But if you have tradespeople that can build them, that's probably your cheapest and potentially fastest route. I would think so, but I just don't know anything about those. Yeah. Interesting. Was that the highest and best use of that building? Self-storage versus office. You have an existing office space that you as a broker could probably have gotten tenants for with a lot less work, less demo. Did you look at doing that before self-storage? Absolutely. It was on the market to try to get office tenants for years. Okay. The expense associated with converting that building into multiple office units, because for one person to lease that large, we could not find, was so expensive that we had it on the market to sell and had it on the market to lease. No one wanted to invest $2 million to bring this building up to par, because remember, the FBI was in there for 20 years, and it was just very old. Everything needed to be torn out. So yes, at the end of the day, it was more about we couldn't use it for what we had hoped to and fill it and start making an income. So we went ahead and decided, wait, we know self-storage. Could we actually do this? And then, of course, the experts said, yes, you can. Galit, 64,000 square foot office building. I would imagine you have a decent sized parking lot and self-storage doesn't need parking. It really actually doesn't. We're in the downtown district and we're in the specific district where they give variances for parking. We don't have tons of parking. We were going to have to get a variance for the office building, but it was already approved that way. And now we have more parking than we need. What was very interesting was the FBI actually used the first floor interior as parking. So that added on. If we were going to do an office building, we would have just done a 40,000 square foot office building. And then we would use the first floor interior as parking so we could get approved. Now what's neat is we don't have to do that. We get to convert the first floor into self-storage as well. Perfect. That works out well. Yeah. Billy, you've been in this business for over 25 years. What are some of the hardest lessons you've learned? I've learned that it's okay to be picky about the clients you work with. At first, when you get started in this business, I also coach a lot of people in commercial real estate that want to go from residential to commercial. And I always say, at first, you're going to get excited and want to take every client. Don't. Make sure that they are qualified. Make sure that they're not going to waste your time because some of them will be very high maintenance. And especially with a lot of the agents, when they get started, they start in leasing. That's what I teach them. It's the easiest place to start. A lot of times you're not going to get paid for your time. So I learned to be very, very particular and really explore and learn about the client. The second thing that I learned is there are still people out there that will try to to run scams and things like that. It's the craziest thing. I still haven't figured out how they're running scams, but they do. Recently, I've had multiple people and there's nothing wrong with this country, but for whatever reason, everything's coming from Hong Kong. And I opened escrow on a project and it was very small. It was one of the smaller units and they never put in the deposit. And it was canceled. It wasn't a problem. 
that I'm getting multiple people doing the same thing. And I haven't figured out what the scam is, but they're trying to open escrow, never put in the deposit. And they're sending fake documents and things like that that aren't them. So scams are real. You need to be cautious so you don't get caught up in something like that. And the third thing that I learned through everything in my 25 years of entrepreneurship is, like you said at the beginning, I kind of go a little bit more than normal commercial agents. And why not? Why not make sure your client is taken care of? Why not give them that expertise opinion? Why not guide them in the direction that'll meet their goals the best. And I think that when you love what you do, you do that. And that's something that I think a lot more people in all kinds of professions could probably learn. Great advice. Galit, if you were to lose everything and start all over, what would your next steps be? If I lost everything today and started over? Not only starting over. Would it be all my businesses too? Everything that provides income to you is gone. Matter of fact, let's throw another curveball. We're going to put you in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay. Just you. What do you do? Honestly, I'm one of those people that doesn't have that ego that a lot of people get when they're making good money or they're successful. I have no problem going to work at 7-Eleven. I have no problem doing what I need. But what I would probably do is I would find a job that I could get and I would start saving that money. So then I can keep leveling up in what I wanted to do. But I will tell you, if I had the option in this story, I would go get my real estate license again immediately. And I would immediately start working for a company and I would get out there and hustle. I'm a hustler by nature. And I know that anything's possible and the success you want to get to is if you put in the work and get the right education, whatever that might be for your interest. So I would probably go get a job to be able to pay the bills, whatever it might be that I could qualify for or that's available. And then I'd go get my real estate license at night, start building my business at night while I could still pay my bills and then hopefully start coming back and being able to get into a place where I can be where I am today. What I love about your answer is you would basically do what you've already done all over again. That's incredible. That's great. I love that. You mentioned that you teach residential people how to get into commercial. What are some high level things that you teach? I start with the real basics. They already have an education and understanding what duties are to a potential buyer or seller. They understand the things that they need to do as an agent. So I typically start them out with leasing, as I mentioned, because leasing is a lot less complicated than income property sales or anything to do with buying a property. And I usually just start them out with things like teaching them about the contract, about the letter of intent, about where to find the properties, about what questions to ask the potential clients. And I just start from the real basics. Then, of course, next I teach them how to find the clients because that's important as well. Yeah. So any of your students, you're very lucky to have somebody of your caliber teaching them. So good for you for giving back. Galit, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, go. All right, Galit, what's the best ever book you recently read? My favorite book ever is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. What was your takeaway from that? Oh my gosh, get rid of all your upper limits because that's the only thing holding you back to everything you want. Galit, what's the best ever way you like to give back? 
My favorite thing to do in Las Vegas for the last 12 years is be a part of the Shade Tree Women's Shelter. And I plan three events a year for the kids and the moms, as well as I help with their fundraising. And Galit, how can the best ever listeners get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me at my full name, GalitVenturaRosen.com, or I'm all over social media under that as well. Galit, I got to thank you for your time. You're sharing 25 plus years of experience. You've given us some great knowledge. I love that you're asset agnostic, where you're basically looking for great deals and great returns and now moving into development. So thank you again for sharing all of your knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. Best ever listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this episode with somebody you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.